Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Welcome to Marvin United Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service broadcast. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor of one of Tyler's historic downtown churches. Today, we continue a five-week all-campus sermon series on worship. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Lord, in these moments as your word is proclaimed, as we celebrate and reflect upon baptism and its meaning for us, as we've been encouraged through the reading of word and our prayers, and as we've been inspired through the music today, we ask that you would continue to do a good work in us as this message is proclaimed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, starting the service, I will repeat again, I am so glad to be with you today, and if I had to say something about Monday, I would say it was memorable. <laughs> I choose the word memorable over what many of you are saying. You scared us to death. That's probably the most common response I've had, and uh, certainly I understand that, and it means that you care about Gina and I and love us very much, and we are grateful. I've never passed out in my entire lifetime, and uh, having to speak from a lectern here at the front of the floor to a very full church, people all over the campus, uh, was frightening for everyone for sure, but absolutely for me, as a friend told me, and this, this is kind of funny, a friend came up to me who's older than me and said, Doug, you know, people our age shouldn't be fasting. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't respond. I just... <laughs> Let me just give a good shout out to David Iglesias. He and Kate and the kids were in the 830 service. I understand that uh, David l helped me get to the floor. I uh, didn't, even, didn't even know that Gina had tried to bring me water, if that uh, tells you anything that was happening in that moment. Um, I'm grateful for David because it kept me from either hitting the chancel rail or this hard floor or even the altar uh, with my head or other body parts. And let me say this, I am grateful to a team of doctors who are sitting throughout the congregation on every Sunday. And let me just say this to you, if you're going to have a medical incident, this is the place to have it because... <laughs> You will get immediate care. There will be 15 people around you instantaneously making sure you are okay. By the way, Brian is okay as well. We had another person that passed out that night as well. I'm grateful for your prayers. If you ever doubted that Marvin Church was a praying church, let me just say, I felt those prayers. I am grateful for those prayers. The prayer warriors had met in the sanctuary, probably about 20 or more of them, to pray at 4 o'clock that uh, afternoon. And we had been a part of that. And then also, when you as a congregation went into prayer, 
at that moment. I tell you, this was, uh, as somebody said to me this morning, God probably was overwhelmed with the amount of voices lifted up at that one moment. But thank you for being a praying congregation. I want to also say that uh, there was a beautiful spirit of worship. I have heard not only from our bishop, I've heard from members of the congregation who stated that the worship that took place after the vote took, took counted, while it was being counted, as you began to sing the hymns of the church, and as the bishop began to give devotional meaning to those hymns, and as uh, you continued in that spirit of worship and prayer, it was really a testimony to, uh, to everyone who was here that Marvin is a worshiping church. And you answered my prayer, because my prayer, as I said last Sunday, my prayer on, on Monday uh, as I started the meeting was that we would worship through this vote as a congregation. And you did exactly what uh, I had hoped for. If Dan Olson was here today, he would probably have run up here to give me a count to say that we have probably the most people since COVID in worship today. I'm anticipating that news. I wanna say thank you for being a worshiping community and for being here today. I also want to share with you that as we enter into a season of transition, and as we approach uh, joining the Global Methodist Church at the beginning of next year, I want to be in prayer for those who were unhappy about the vote. I want to be in prayer and in conversation with people who wish to stay in the United Methodist Church. I want to invite them to stay with us and stay with this beautiful Christ family. But I understand if they can't, that we were going to work to help them find a place to be in worship. That would be people that uh, in the district and the annual conference that are coordinating to get people in our community together that want to stay UMC. So I think God's got this, and I'm very grateful the way things are going and playing out for us. The interesting thing today is that I am talking about baptism. This was scheduled back in July to do a sermon series on worship. Today is about baptism. Next Sunday will be World Communion Sunday. We'll talk about the theology and the meaning of doing the Lord's Supper together. Today is about the meaning, some of the meanings of baptism for our faith community. And I can tell you the last word I remember seeing on my notes was baptism. I don't know if it was the last word I said. People say what I said after that didn't make any sense at all. But I was thinking about baptism when all this happened. And so I think it's interesting. I had a visit from a, a friend, not a member of the church, who uh, found out about that because his son is in our congregation, visited Gene and I in the emergency room, and he said, Doug, if you were talking about baptism and preaching about baptism, when you get into the pulpit on Sunday, you should just start with the phrase, as I was saying, <laughs> well, I just have to tell you a little bit more of the details because I think there's something special here. I was revived as I was laid out in front of the altar by the white communion cloth that usually covers the elements that someone grabbed off of there, thank God not tipping over the cup of juice, they took it to the baptismal font and drew water out of the baptismal font to bring to my brow and to revive me. So one friend said, Doug, you've been rebaptized." <laughs> I said, no, and in the Methodist church, we just remember our baptism and we're thankful. But I was grateful that I also drank from the communion chalice that was on the altar as word was saying, uh, get him some juice, get him something, some nutrition, and someone handily handed me this beautiful brass chalice to drink out of. So friends, 
what an event. I'm sprawled out before the altar. I've got the communion, I've got the communion cloth and baptismal water on my head, and I'm drinking from the golden chalice. <laughs> I'm just saying, as I was talking to a friend, that's too many uh, dots that need to be connected. God is doing something. I don't know what God's doing. I just want to let you know I'm open to it. And I think Trust the Lord was the perfect song for today. As we move forward as a church, as I move forward as your lead pastor, we're going to be trusting in God to work things out for good. The sermon title this morning is about many facets of baptism. And one of the goals of our sermon series is to again better understand what baptism means. And I just want to remind you of this incredible run-on sentence that the writer of Hebrews says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us therefore draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, period. Wow. Those of you who are English teachers in the room are like going, my goodness, did this guy get any education in how to write? But the key is that, that word therefore. What's it there for? He is trying to summarize the first 10 chapters of Hebrews for us. And he is saying that Christ supersedes the Jewish priest as the mediator now between God and people. Christ's death and resurrection is now going to replace all animal sacrifice and all of the Levitical laws in regards to the killing of animals because they're no longer needed. The Son of God has given the atoning sacrifice, his shed blood for us so that we can be forgiven. Jesus has opened the way to a relationship with God and he even makes reference to the Holy of Holies, that place that was separated off where only the high priest could go one day out of the year, the day of atonement, and he's saying now that curtain has been torn open, we have access to God through Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, all that to say, and we are now washed in the water of baptism. So if you're taking notes, the first point is this. We have a symbolic act through Christian baptism that acknowledges the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation available to all. The writer of Hebrews states that we can draw near to God with confidence through Jesus Christ. And if we're to look at this diamond and think of the uh, diamond of baptism and its many facets that we are to look at, we know we cannot have forgiveness, friends, before, unless we have had repentance and unless we have confessed our sin before God. I want to remind you in the United Methodist hymnal, the first question that is asked of a person who comes forward as a candidate for baptism in the church and the question that is asked of parents when a child is brought forward for infant baptism is this. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness? Reject the evil powers of the world? Do you repent of your sin? 
And as I say oftentimes, just off the cuff on Sunday morning, that as we approach a sacrament like baptism, and next week as we approach the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the first thing that we do when God extends grace to us is we acknowledge our sinfulness. We acknowledge that we need to confess our sin, and oftentimes we do a prayer in communion and in baptism, asking God to forgive us of our sins as we approach this throne of grace and are given the confidence and the assurance that faith gives that we can be cleansed of our guilty conscience. We are repentant before God. G.F. Moore, a church historian and professor of the 1800s, said this, great is repentance, for it brings healing upon the world. Great is repentance, for it reaches to the throne of glory. Friends, I said this very similar statement last week, quoting a woman by the name of Carrie Newolf in a web article entitled Countercultural Opportunities. Carrie says this one of the gifts that the church gives to society is the importance of confession. In an over affirmed world, in an over affirmed suffering from high arrogance world, and a world with low self esteem, we remind the world in its brokenness that the key to healing, the key to forgiveness, is repentance and confession of one's sin. It is the gift that the church can give to the world. As we approach God's sacrament of the church, we humbly understand that God's thoughts are not our thoughts, neither are God's ways our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways. Thank you, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. I believe in a transcendent God, a God who transcends the brokenness of our world, coming into us, offering his peace, offering us a relationship. Even though God is so distant and so great and almighty, God transcends all of this into our world to offer the forgiveness. And the symbol to celebrate that is baptism. It is one of the many facets of baptism. 1 John 1.9 says, when we confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I remind you that when Jesus began his ministry, the first stop out of the wilderness after his time of testing and, and fasting, as he started his ministry, he began with what? His baptism. Remember, John the Baptist was in the Jordan River, and he was calling people to repentance. God was about ready to do something new. And so in order to fully step into what God was going to do, the people needed to repent and turn from evil ways, and there they would be brought into the forgiveness of their God. Jesus was baptized, not because he was a man of sin, but he wanted to endorse, he wanted to be uh, in tandem, he wanted to share a relationship with John the Baptist, his cousin, and when he would begin his preaching in Mark 1.15, Jesus says, repent, and believe the good news. In the Old Testament, when a person was defiled or unclean, there was oftentimes a ritual of purification set forth by the, Le the book of Leviticus. And it oftentimes involved a blood sacrifice followed by a ritual cleansing with water. How interesting is that? that a Hebrew writer writing to a Hebrew audience would speak of this idea of, of the being blood 
shed for, by Christ, being cleansed by that, having our consciences cleansed by his atoning sacrifice, and then washed by the blood, excuse me, washed by the baptismal waters. To repent in Hebrew is teshuba, shub coming from turn. Repentance in Hebrew means to make a U-turn, going the wrong direction. I make a U-turn to turn back to God. In the Greek language, metatoia, Meta meanings with, noia meaning exercising of the mind. It means to change one's mind. God calls us oftentimes to this world of confusing information and when we get off track to sometimes make a U-turn. Sometimes we have to change our mind and return to our Lord. Saul, when he was encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, you remember Saul? He's persecuting Christians. He wants to snuff out this thing called Christianity until Jesus knocks him off of his donkey on the road to Damascus. He's blinded for three days and Ananias takes him under his wing, takes him back to his home. And when his scales drop from his eyes, his eyes regain and are opened. It is Ananias who says to him in Acts 22:16, get up, Paul, be baptized and wash your sins away. This is why Paul understands baptism as a death and a resurrection. As he says in, in Romans 6, 4, we are therefore buried with him through baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. Now remember, Saul, blinded for three days, gets his sight back after three days, and he likens that to a new life, a new start. He gets a new name, he gets a new mission. And so we acknowledge with Christian baptism, it is a redirect. For adults coming to faith, it is a time to say, I, I cast aside the old that is buried with Christ, and I take on the new life with God. And for our children, it is the reminder, as John Wesley would say, that we are the results of original sin, that we are living into and born into a broken world. And a child needs to be reminded that when they make mistakes and they've been baptized, that they have a life that they can turn with loving encouragement from the church and from parents. They can turn their way back to God. And so we today acknowledge the symbolic act of baptism as a part of confirmation and adult professions of faith and infant baptism. Also, through baptism, we are initiated into a covenant community called the church. Under the Old Testament, I first learned of this and studied this in seminary and learned about the, you know, the Jews had circumcision. All males circumcised on the eighth day. They became a part of the, the Jewish community with that circumcision. But I was reminded, I think it's important to Paul to point out in Romans 2.29 that both male and female now in the Christian church have the circumcision of their hearts. Again, Acts 2.29, circumcision of the heart by the Holy Spirit. We celebrate that with Christian baptism and also being brought into a faith community. In the scriptures this morning in, in verse 24, let us consider how we are to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. 
And one of my favorite stories of Henry Cloud, author of, of the book, How People Grow, is when he, out of college, had a very difficult, dark moment of depression in his life. In his words, he said, I felt that God had let me down, and I asked God to help me. I wasn't feeling any better. I thought that if I prayed, God would make me better. I didn't feel better. I felt lousy, and I concluded that God just wasn't doing very much until a friend came along and introduced him to a couple. That couple took him in, and in regards to spiritually speaking, they began to mentor him, they began to share books with him, they began to pray for him, they invited him to join their Bible study together and with their small group, and in that setting, his life became changed. Cloud says, I was looking for plan A, because God will do the miraculous, but God chose plan B, the body of Christ. As the body of Christ is, does its natural things, Loving people, encouraging people, mentoring people, discipling people, coming alongside people during difficult times. God then comes in and does the super. We do the natural and God does the super. And I can say this, I have experienced the love of this congregation this week in a profound way that I will never ever forget. The texts, the phone calls, the emails, the letters in the, that came to the mailbox, uh, the food, the flowers, everything in your concern for me was such a beautiful testimony to Gene and I how much the body of Christ loves those who are in peril. And Lord, I am grateful for all of you and love you so deeply. And friends, this morning we gathered these, fifth, these third graders and we prayed with them and we assured them that we're gonna walk the journey with them. And if you look at the bulletin, it says, with God's help, we'll lead them, we'll share with them, we'll provide them with loving support and fellowship that they may grow in Christ. And each of these children, as they were baptized in this church, we had a prayer for them that said, we will surround them with a community of love and forgiveness as they grow in their service to others. We will pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. Friends, church is the place. And when we're baptized, we become a part of amazing community. But also, we are brought into God's salvation story through the washing of the water and the cleansing of our sin. And I'm grateful to share this journey with you. There's so much more to say about baptism that time won't allow, but I want to just remind you that Jesus, too, was baptized and when Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened up and God spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And a dove descended and lighted on him, representing the Holy Spirit. So just another thing to remember as we close out our time together in this message, the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives for the baptized person as well as the declaration that you are now a child of God. We celebrate that, and that gives us meaning. Baptism is just a, one of the two great sacraments of the United Methodist Church that we celebrate, and we will continue to baptize uh, children in the GMC as much as we've done in the UMC, because that is a part of that's tradition. And I'm grateful to be your pastor, grateful to share in these holy moments together, Grateful to share in worship as you have blessed me today just by being with you and feeling the community and the love and support of all of you. That's what it means to be the church. And I've said it before and I will say it again. I love the church and I believe it is the hope of the world. 
I hope you love the church, and I hope, most importantly, you love Christ even more. Because, friends, it is to Christ that we owe our new life. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I would like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. on our campus at 300 West Irwin Street, downtown Tyler. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and its ministry and serving opportunities. And if I can be of any assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope you'll let me know. If you'd like to contribute to our ministry of Marvin Church, please do so by following the information provided.